Live from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. Hey everybody, and welcome to Ask an Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada, the engineer. With me, Mr. Lady Ada on camera control, and uh, married just, to me happily. Just saving well, teddy bears. Just Yeah, somebody's got to <laughs> intubate teddy rocks, but we're here at Adafruit. It'll all make sense later. Yeah, um, this is our Adafruit factory. We do all our testing, shipping, coding, manufacturing, videoing, and more. All the electronic goodies you know and love to use in your projects and products and bear ventilators. We got a jam-packed show for you tonight. All sorts of news, videos, products, uh, guides, uh, cool retro stuff, um, Star Trek memorabilia, and more. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff coming. Tell them tonight. what's on tonight's show, Mr. Lady Ada. On tonight's show, the code is resistive TSC. It'll all make sense very soon. Just like the teddy bear video will all make sense very soon. But this is a code, 10% off the native star all the way up to 11.59 p.m. Eastern time or when I remember to turn it off in the morning. We're going to talk about our Adafruit live series shows, including show and tell. We had some people showing and sharing their projects. We do that every single week. Time travel, look around the world, makers, hackers, artists, engineers, events, and more. Retro tech, a bunch of stuff this week. From the mailbag, a special one about Adafruit I.O., Main New York City factory footage, look around here at Adafruit and all the stuff that we make. 3D printing, a bunch of cool projects. Ion NPI, and that's when uh, all will be revealed. New products, top secret, we'll answer your questions. We're over on Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord, where there's about 33,000 of us. Almost at any time, you can get a few thousand people in one of the chat rooms chat topics, and uh, show and share your projects, ask questions, join the community, and more. All that on Ask an Engineer this week. Okay, Lady Ada, well, um, let's pay some bills. Remember, the code is resistive TSC. Mm -hmm. um, when people add stuff to their cart, they get one of three things or more. Yes, that's right. When you order from adafruit.com, you'll get some freebies in your cart, $99 or more. You'll get a Permaproto half-size breadboard PCB, perfect for taking your solderless breadboard project. We have a solderless breadboard as a new product this week, too. Yep. And making it permanent. We've got uh, $149 or more. We get a grab bag of different SemiQT board sensors and devices, and you'll get a different one uh, each time if you make an account. And $199 or more, you get free UPS ground shipping. Uh, we're hoping in the next month or so we'll get Circuit Playground Expresses back in stock. As you know, there's a silicon shortage. And we'll get that back in as a freebie as well. Speaking of making accounts, um, you said if someone makes an account and they already have one of these, we give them a different one. But there's right. also something else. Uh, we're going to talk about this now. So please, please, please make an account and do two-factor authentication. And the do it now. The reason is there's going to be lots of stuff in our store that'll be hard to get. And right now, that's one of the ways that we manage to make sure that people aren't being um, mean and unfair and using bots and automated tools to buy up all the stuff. So um, here's a little tweet that came out. Um, we think this is the future. Um, it's the present too. Yeah. Um, folks uh, noticed that another company had 
pies. They got bought up right away. And then they're just like, hey, look, um, Adafruit switched over the two-factor authentication so uh, bots and people can't scalp them or sell them on eBay. And uh, PyHut is going to do it. They're going to have, uh, they're going to block, cancel bots, scalp orders. Um, the other thing that came in, I don't know if scalp is a good term anymore. Um, this is the uh, bot that a lot of people follow. And uh, this was from today. I actually got one this time. Wow, thank you. Finally got it. Got one. And then um, this is uh, from a, a person. Um, I was going to put this in a mailbag, but I figured I would just, just show this here. Um, Adafruit Lady Ada, love that you added two-factor authentication to Raspberry Pi products. Love that two-factor authentication is becoming requirement in general because it's just better for security for everyone. Great job to your old team. So I want to say thank you to the entire team um, here at Adafruit, all of our customers, our community. We're getting pies out to everyone in the most fair way, and it's working out. And we just updated the guide with a video from us talking about this last, last week. week. And so the other thing that, I, that uh, I wanted to mention is every time we do something new with our store or we have something like this or something that comes up, we'll always do a live video. We'll always have all the information. We'll have an FAQ. Um, I think this is how a modern company has to operate now. Like there's going to be supply chain things. There's going to be disruptions in um, shipping because of weather. There's going to be uh, co conflicts around the world. There's going to be lockdowns. And I feel like um, the the way that folks used to do business um, just isn't it just isn't working. You have to be able to uh, talk to people in a place like Discord or on video and all these uh, different locations. Not everyone uses all these things, so you can use these tools to get the message out everywhere. Yeah, and anyone you know who wants a Raspberry Pi, tell them to make an account and enable their two-factor now because if you have to wait until the Pi is going to stock to download Authy and set it up and log out and log in, it's going to take you a couple minutes and you could lose out because we have them in stock for only like 15, 20, 25 minutes at a time. So yeah, anyone you know who wants a Raspberry Pi, have them sign up and enable yeah. two-factor now. Do it now, not later. It's okay. free and it's super easy to do. We do a bunch of live shows. We just did one. We're doing one right now. Yeah, we did gonna, show and tell. Yeah, so for our live series shows, we do show and tell every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. If it's not Lady and I, it'll be JP or Norm Pedro or others. Um, on the show and tell, um, we had our normal cast of Adafruit folks and- um, Mark, Denizens. Yeah, and, and Mark did a really neat project um, that was a look back at different robots over the last couple years from the pandemic and how it can blow out a candle. And so you got to watch did, it. It's really did. good. Yes, it's a, it's a little bit of a comedy yeah. routine. Well, it reminds me of like the Rube Goldberg type things where you have a bunch of different uh, things set up to have something happen. And it's yeah. usually an enjoyable, entertaining video. But this was a neat robotics project and has, you know, I thought it, the, little, the little robot looked kind of like Pixar. Yeah. And then uh, Jay stopped by from DigiKey. I'm going to play the um, DigiKey and uh, Supply Frame sponsored Hackaday Prize shortly. Yes. And then um, other shows that we do, on Sunday we had um, Desk of Lady Ada, part one, Lady Ada, you showed that cool book. Yes, um, I showed off um, a couple of revisions we worked on, some sensors that I was checking yeah. out, uh, this book about the history of computing. From 1969, From 1969. history of computer, Computer. there's only like one. There's like <laughs> one computer. And then um, I used, uh, I was thinking like, what would it take to build core memory? And that was actually what uh, we had as a topic for the great search. Yeah. And then for great search, when Lady Ada uses her powers of engineering to help you find things on digikey.com, what did you find this week? I found uh, very small uh, toroids. So, um, you know, ferromagnetic core memory uh, uses these little rings um, that you can um, flip back and forth. 
uh, using two power wires that you can either set it to like north or south and then you use a sense wire um, to read the bit and so you can store a very small amount of data and this is how we stored memory inductively before we stored it uh, the way we do now which is capacitively. Um, but you know you can still make it. So we, I found some page, some guys like here's how you make like one bit of core memory. And um, I also showed how you can find uh, very small um, uh, toroid cores on DigiKey. Um, there's all sorts of cores there for any kind of inductor or filter need. Um, but I, I tried to find the smallest ones. Okay, next up. Every single Tuesday we do JP's product pick of the week. You should watch it because it's a live show and we broadcast from the product page and the discount is applied automatically. Take it away, JP. Uh-huh. Ah, there it is. Yes, that's one whole meter of it. <laughs> Our alligator clip NeoPixel strips, and we have two versions of them. You can see uh, one of them is quite long. That is one meter, and that is the 30 NeoPixel per meter. This one is the half meter, and that's 60 NeoPixels per meter. So these are perfect for things like our Circuit Playground Express and Circuit Playground Bluefruit boards, as well as Microbit, because they have these nice alligator clip friendly pads on them. What we have are a ground, a power, which is good for anywhere from three to five volts, and a data pin. And then we can power that off of, directly off of a LiPo if we want. Mount that inside of your cool cyber hoodie hood. Alligator clip NeoPixel strips in both the one meter and half meter length, both with 30 pixels, so two different densities. And then on JP's workshop every single Thursday, tomorrow we do Circuit Python Parsec. And here's this week's highlight. What I wanted to do on the Circuit Python Parsec today is start to introduce Vector IO. Vector IO is a lightweight 2D shape generation library that works side by side with Display IO. Now we can already create shapes using Display I.O., but these are designed to run faster, take up less memory, and they also are a little more efficient in that, in the case of this circle, it really only refreshes the pixels where the circle are rather than a sort of rectangular bitmap of where the circle exists. So I'm importing here the Display I.O. library and then Vector I.O. I'm setting up a couple of palettes because I want to use two different colors. Now I'm setting up a variable called ball rad. That's the ball radius. Right now it's set to 13. How about we update this? I'll make this a radius of 20. And then here's how I create it. Right now we have sort of three things we can use inside of vector IO. We have the circle, we have the rectangle, and we have a polygon. Today I'm just going to look at circle and rectangle. So for creating the circle, I do vector IO.circle, and then I tell it which color to use, the radius, and then an X and a Y position. Then I'm doing a similar thing to create a paddle, as if we're doing a little breakout type of game. And that's a rectangle, again, with a color, a width, a height, and an X and a Y position. I'm deriving those from the positions of the ball. Then if I append those to the main group of Display I.O. and hit Save here, it's going to refresh. And in a second, it's going to redraw, and now it's going to have this new larger radius. Now, to show that these actually run pretty nice and fast, I am using a little bit of code that Toddbot provided, and this is 
a sort of bouncing, a little bouncing ball algorithm that reverses or inverses the X and Y position whenever we reach one of the extents of the screen or the top of the paddle in this case. That is the basics of how you can use vector IO to create a circle and a rectangle inside of CircuitPython. And that is your CircuitPython Parsec. Next up, Fridays. Tim, foamy guy, is doing deep dive, and uh, he's got a, they're he's comprehensive. Got a yeah, and uh, I what I did this week is I downloaded the video, and uh, I watched it, of course, and then I did a speed up because okay. I wanted to just show like there's a lot that goes on. So here's all the things, here's all the code, here's all the uh, questions that are being answered, here's the Discord chat live. So if you ever wanted to do like pair programming or like have like a real time mentor or instructor that's showing me. Not only like what code can do, but what a project is. And so I think with physical hardware, it's easier. But anyways, some really good tips, projects, and more. Okay, time travel. We're gonna look around. World makers, hackers, arts, engineers. Um, so this week's time travel, we say goodbye to March and Women's History Month. Thank you, everyone on the Adafruit team who did, we had like just about a post every single day for Women's History Month 2022. Mm -hmm. Amazing makers yeah. and women. Yeah, sorry. Oh, someone says they can't hear me. Yeah, but our thing is there. No. No, did no. You hit, did you hit a mute thing? No. No. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, everything seems to be working here. Well, Women's History Month. Well. Oh, well. Or it could be them. I think it's working. I think it's working. Sorry. Yeah, could have been a um, YouTube glitch. Anyways. Um, Sorry, we were saying March, the month. Yeah, something happened. So Women's History Month is over. Yes. So do check out all the posts and more on our site. And uh, April, lots of stuff ahead. Yeah. Birthday, um, you name it. There's a lot of things going on in the month of April, and we'll have them on our site. Okay. Yeah, weird. Audio died for a second. Okay. Anyways, next up, Adabox. Just a little bit of a reminder. Please, please, please go to adabox.com. You'll see any updates. We are doing seasonal, and seasonal is now turning into winter-ish, spring-ish. Now, technically, it is still kind of winter here in New York. It is. It, it was probably, like 11 it's degrees be spring. out. It's it. Look, this is. Um, we're just dealing with. Um, Supply. We're we're also doing the supply chain issues tour, like Jack White. Um, but we're gonna, you know, we're trying really hard to get everything in. Um, it's just yeah. it's got gotten really tough to get some stuff, and uh, I don't have to tell you. Um, but sign up, and when we ship Betabox, we'll give people a little bit of warning as well, um, in case people want to change their address or or cancel. Oh, I think I know what happened. Yeah. The uh, the speed up uh, had some audio stuck on it, uh, and I think it muted out our video, our okay. audio. Okay. That's cool. Cool. That's probably what happened. All right. Okay. Uh, next up, time travel. It's the Hackaday Prize. Oh. So Hackaday, yeah, Hackaday Prize is out this year, um, and uh, this year is sustainability, resiliency, and circularity. I don't know what circularity it is. It is sponsored by DigiKey and Supply Frame, and they yeah, made our and, best friends. And uh, Jay was on our. Show and tell, representing DigiKey, and Jay's a judge. 
so Jay cannot enter Jay's robots. You cannot win. And win, but uh, you can impress the judges probably with a cool robot project. So I thought, um, we're not connected to this at all. I just, uh, well, other than I, I started Hackaday a long time ago, but I have nothing to do with this. And I've been a judge a couple times. Yeah. Um, I've been neither. I haven't been a... Well, you're, you're definitely... I you, can't. You have it's to recuse. Fair. It's not fair. Yeah. I have to recuse myself. At, if, I were, if, if I were a supreme judge for the, the Hackaday Court... Hackaday Supreme Court judge, I would recuse myself because it wouldn't be fair. Right. <laughs> Thread the needle here. That's a terrible, okay, so I am a going terrible to, court. I am going to uh, uh, play the trailer video now. Hey everyone, it's Magenta Strongheart here at Supply Frames Design Lab in Pasadena, California. And I'm so excited to tell you all about the 2022 Hackaday Prize, which launches today, March 29th. The Hackaday Prize is global, but it all starts here, with an idea, a maker, and the tools needed to bring that vision to life. This year's themes are all around sustainability, circularity, and climate crisis resiliency. Topics that affect us all on this planet we call home. With five challenges and over $150,000 on the line, there are plenty of opportunities to win big while making an impact. So the time is now. We're challenging you all. Our amazing community of engineers, designers, and hackers to continue to raise the bar on what's possible with open source hardware. Prizes range from $500 to our grand prize of $50,000. You all have changed the world before, and now we're asking you to help save it. Thanks to the generous support of our sponsors, SupplyFrame and DigiKey, we've been able to move the needle on what's possible with open source hardware innovation. So grab your tools, grab your team, and grab your ideas and show us how you are changing the world. Okay, let's do some mailbag. Hello, Packet. So this week's mailbag is a little different because we're doing different stuff all the time. Why just read an email that someone sends in when we can talk about something that we did that was kind of neat? So we do this uh, free service called Adafruit.io, Adafruit.io. We have a paid tier. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, there was an educator, and the educator is like tweeting at us saying, shout out to Adafruit and Adafruit.io just for being so awesome. Wow. More info on that later. That's kind of nice. Pretty, that's pretty nice. Right? That's I'm super nice. I'm a little nice. suspicious because it's little so suspicious. nice. A little suspicious. But this was an educator, and the educator has a, a, a website, and the website was on GitHub. And this educator has criteria for which IoT service to recommend to students. Okay. And I uh, took a little screenshot here of the, of the, the thing. But here's, here's the... here's like a wiki. Yeah. So Adafruit came out tops. Tops. And the reason... Is. Is. Expand. Which IoT cloud platform should my students use? And the winner is Adafruit.io. There's other ones. Not gonna talk about them because that'd be weird. Um, this is they they picked us. Um, do check out the other ones like um, like Arduino Cloud and stuff Arduino like that. Arduino Cloud so, and, so and here's an image or whatever it's called now. of my criteria for my students. My student developed IoT. 
platform criteria. Three free devices without need for a credit card. That's right, we don't require that. No credit card required. And you can have, I think you can have up to 10 devices. Yeah, ten easy feet, to feet. set up MQTT connectivity for multiple devices and platforms. Bam, built in. Easy to set up HTTPS connectivity for multiple devices and platforms. That's right, we, we really suggest SSL, we yep. recommend it. Easy to set up WebSocket MQTT connectivity for multiple devices and platforms. Not sure what that is, but we have MQTT and we have WebSockets. <laughs> Sensible free limited data storage, say 10 megabytes, you know, plus or minus. I think we, we store nearly infinite data, but it's like you can only have N feeds and you can't upload data more than, I think on the free tier, more than like 30 times a yeah. minute. There, there's something very reasonable basically to keep people from like slamming our, our storage. And I think we store, you know, 10,000 plus data points. So um, we spent a lot of time on this. We want um, the, the, the software as a service to be supported by our hardware. We do have a pro account if you go over and some people do. Please support um, if you can. Yeah. But uh, you don't need to, and this is why it's really good for students. No credit card needed. Nope. Um, we, we don't even like take the credit card and say like, we're not going to charge you. We right. don't even, we don't want it. That's Do right. not stop giving us your credit card. <laughs> we don't want it. Um, Believe us. Dangerous. But we really want students to, to, to learn this stuff. And we also have a IoT Bill of Rights. We think that's important. And uh, it's us, so um, you can always get a hold of us. We're always able to help you out. We have forums, we have the Discord, chats for Adafruit.io. And uh, this educator wanted a feature. We happened to already have it. And uh, they were really nice and had this um, for their students. And so we very much appreciate it. There's lots of choices, obviously. And we came out on top. So thank you so much. One thing they don't even mention, we support every device. Roxetta Jeremy Ellis. OK, next up. Um, that led me to the next thing that I wanted to do. It's in our time travel section. Sort of, we have a uh, new part of Adafruit.io, it's called Whippersnapper. So first off, uh, Lady Ada, what is Whippersnapper? Whippersnapper is a no-code way to make Internet of Things devices where you don't have to write any code, you don't have to program any Python, there's no Arduino, there's no IDE. Um, we support right now a selection of Adafruit hardware and also a couple non-Adafruit boards. More people can add board support uh, through our uh, GitHub repository. And basically, um, you download the Whippersnapper firmware onto our boards without, again, no compilers needed, usually drag and drop a file on. And uh, it'll show up magically in Adafruit IO and you can dynamically add sensors, buttons, and LEDs and create a, a remotely controlled user interface for your hardware, again, without any code. So it's a little similar to um, like a program called Blink, except Blink is Bluetooth and this is uh, you know, Wi-Fi specific. And it is, a, is on top of Adafruit IO, so you can also take advantage of all the dashboards we have. Um, we have a lot of components that we're adding, and including I2C devices, which is a kind of a unique um, capability. Um, there's also you know, Home Assistant, Tasmoda, but those are kind of meant to be in a, in a closed ecosystem. Um, and this is designed to be yeah. you know, used through Adafruit IO, and then you can send that data through a webhook to another service if you'd like, or use if this and, and that, or We just Zapier. updated a, our guide, so you can use ESP32 S2 Feather with Whippersnapper. Yeah, we have um, a starter, we have starter pages uh, for a lot of our hardware, so we had a guide, um, but a lot of people didn't know about the guide, so what we did is now we're going into all of the boards that support Whippersnapper, and again, we support about 12 different boards right now, um, and we're adding a page on quick start, how to quickly get started, with Whippersnapper, how to get it set up. You have to tell it your SSID and password, of course, and your um, Adafruit IO username and um, key. But once you've done that, you know it shows up in Adafruit IO, you can completely control the device and program and configure it 
dynamically over Adafruit I.O., either on mobile or on a laptop or on desktop. Um, so a lot of people, they just want to do a project where they're like, hey, I want to log temperature data every 15 minutes and save it to the cloud. Um, that would normally be like, okay, download Arduino, download these libraries. And I don't want to spend them. more than a half an hour, 15 minutes actually getting, I just want to know if it works. Like that. Like yeah, you can the, basically do it instantaneously. It's the hello world of IoT, perhaps, yeah. is what. Uh, we definitely made it too easy for the folks who like hard things and terrible things. This might not be for you. Yeah. Um, okay, so next up, retro. And I'm just going to say that the first part of the retro news this week ain't good. But I think it's important that we talk about it. So um, this uh, week's retro news, I was just going to have photos of some old electronics, um, some videos, um, which I'm still going to have. But um, this is um, kind of sad news. So there is a retro museum in Maripol, Ukraine, and it's been destroyed, gone, forever. Um, this is Dmitry. Uh, that's a Commodore that Dimitri he's has. Cool. Um, he's okay, um, but if you all read the news, uh, this is on CNN right now. Maybe you don't read CNN, but pretty much everyone agrees that this happened today. Um, Russian assault on Maripol is devastating. This is the satellite images. So somewhere there is a um, completely shelled uh, retro museum um, that used to exist somewhere there. Uh, this is uh, some of the captions uh, from the, the news, Russia's continued damage on Maripol is devastating, Pentagon says. Um, even the Red Cross building there got bombed. So um, we did a blog post about this. There's information about Dmitry, um, information that uh, he's been able to, to get out, what's going to happen next, um, ways to support him. Um, his message that he posted, well, that's all. The Computer Museum of Maripol is no more. All that remains of my collection I've been collecting for 15 years is just fragments of memories on the Facebook page, the website, and the radio station of the museum. I will try to continue to support Retrobit website and radio, but life will now completely have different priorities. There is neither my museum nor my home, and it hurts, but I'll definitely survive and find a new home. And you could go to um, the website. It's uh, this... Uh, it 8-bit. It 8-bit. It, it, it 8-bit club and uh, the collector website and the data sheets are still up there and uh, there's a bit of a follow-up that Dimitri put up there um, people were like well why were you stick around he said we did not leave on the first days of the war hoping that Maripol would stand and not be occupied but there were uh, but we are greatly mistaken and underestimated the scale and brutality of the Russian invasion and then um, I guess maybe on a on a more positive note because there's always brave people that have resilience. Um, this is what Dimitri sent as an update. Uh, but I still have my family, my ideas, and my desire to succeed, and I believe that I will start over and be able to find my new home, and perhaps when a child wakes up in my soul again, I will collect a new collection and open a new museum. So um, we're gonna try to figure out if there's anything we could do for Dimitri. Um, one of the things that we decided to do was we have a section on our website, adafruit.com Russia, and uh, the reason we're putting it there is there's a message from Arnold Schwarzenegger directly for the people in Russia saying, here's what's really going on. Here's what the people that are in your government are doing and the military. 
We also have links to downloadable copies of Wikipedia. The number one downloader of the downloadable copies of Wikipedia right now is Russia because it seems like a lot of access is getting cut off for things like Wikipedia or the news or you name it. And we also have tour mirrors and ways to get around the government um, uh, censorship in Russia right now. Um, if this is going to end, it might take the Russian people to say enough's enough. Um, the population there that we're in contact with, um, the, the, the ones that are in like tech and IT and education, they know what's going on and they're devastated. They don't want to see this either. So anyways, that's a bit of the retro news. I had to put it in there. Um, but, I, but I do want to say that um, our thoughts are with everyone over there. This is, this is terrible. Um, I wanted to have something that maybe people could relate to. This is a retro museum. There's ones all over the world and many of us visit them. And then uh, this stuff is hard to get back. Um, and, and lives are even harder to get back. So maybe this uh, can end soon. Okay, switching gears. Um, Jeff posted up a really cool video. This is that copy protection uh, thing with uh, DIS. So we're gonna play this and then we're gonna uh, show some photos. Jeff here, loading up some software in an Apple II emulator. So in the uh, Apple world, if you have a non-copy protected disk, you can store it in a DSK file. But if you have a protected disk, like Powzap Kerplunk, the comic book maker, you need to store it in a WAS file. So uh, I have an open pull request to Flux Engine to add support for the A2R Flux format, which you can then convert to WAS format using the open source passport.py program. And this is the first uh, disk that I have that successfully copies using this method. And so that's about it. You can load it up, you can get to the main menu, you can watch the Starship Enterprise go by, and maybe, just maybe, you can make a comic. Talk to you next time. Was that the Enterprise MFI? Um, next up, uh, speaking of Star Trek, so you can see how this is all coming together here. In uh, 1996, you could get a USS Deep Space Nine Defiant CD player, a portable CD player, and it came with special issue Starfleet headphones. This is the outside of the box. This is the bottom of the unit. When you play a CD, the back of it lights up based on the music. What do you play inside of this? Well, the theme song to Deep Space Nine, of course. Here's the back of it. Here's the back of the box. Um, if you zoom into this later, you can see someone is driving around in a Miata with their portable Star <laughs> Trek displayer. They're on the beach. And the person with a portable the, displayer. And then the person at the bottom is looking up things, not on the internet, because the internet wasn't around as much, but they have a Star Trek encyclopedia, and they're listening to music as they're looking at their computer, because computers didn't have like, as much musical capabilities. And he's got this Elkars thing going on. Yeah, here's the front. And then here's uh, my friend Dave. Dave's wearing it. He modeled these, and you can see. And he's the biggest Star Trek fan we know. We're, we talk a lot about uh, Deep Space Nine. Both of our, our favorite captain is uh, Cisco. And then, uh, you know, here it is. They just don't make them like this anymore, folks. That's I mean, probably so never big. will. Yeah. I love that there's like this extra, like, Greebles and this LED backlit. It thing. is true that when you saw the Defiant, it's like, you know what? That could be a CD player. Yeah. I mean, there was like the, what, the Enterprise uh, pizza cutter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Paramount was licensing a lot of stuff out at the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, next up. Got? Yeah. So here is a continuation of our series. This is the Mattel uh, horoscope computer. 
and you can see it's beautiful. Um, here's the box with, uh, if you remember KB Toys. I remember KB Toys. That's what they recommend, alkaline batteries. And uh, we did a blog post about this. We compared this to the Coleco one. And if you're interested in horoscopes, now it has a little bit of a, a, of a Y2K problem as in like it never got to the year 2000. So you have to do a little bit of math if you still want to use it. And then uh, here's a little video that we made um, that has the dates that you can put in and it'll calculate a horoscope. Very Stargate looking. And uh, we have a nice little rotating photo set. Um, and then the other one that we have, um, you know, Radio Shack right now is uh, doing like weird crypto stuff. So one of the things that we uh, like doing is showing like kind of the Radio Shack pass. So this is Robbie the robot and Robbie eats coins, real coins, not Bitcoins. And a lot of people had these. Uh, we posted this up on social media and they're like, I had one of those, I had one of those. Look at that cinematography. Yeah. And then um, last up, I, I thought this counts as retro. So Tim Hunkin did a great series called The Secret Life of Machines. And uh, he has a new series coming out. And Lady Ada, I think you'll like this. You haven't seen this yet, so I'm going to play this for you. Okay. Here is a trailer of the upcoming Tim Hunkin series. I'm delighted to announce Series 2 of The Secret Life of Components. I was delighted by the reception of the first series and completely amazed by the generosity of some of the donations, so I just had to keep going. I haven't had quite so much time this winter as my arcades have reopened and life has returned to normal, but there are still five new episodes. I'm launching the first one, The Secret Life of Sensors, this Thursday, March the 31st and the others on subsequent Thursdays. I hope you enjoy them. So if you like electronics, you'll probably like this show. And if you know uh, Tim's work, it is awesome and amazing. And new episodes every single Thursday. It's Python on Harvard time, Lady Ada. OK. All right, so um, we have a newsletter that we do. It's uh, on Adafruit Daily. You can sign up, adafruitdaily.com. We deliver it to you every single week, and we have lots of news. But um, there's only one bit of news um, this week that I think that we're going to talk about. So it's jam-packed, lots of stuff. But I wanted to say welcome to the world, Ari. And we have these special baby Blinka graphics. So uh, as you all know, Scott's our lead on... Circuit Python, and he brought a kid into the world, Ari. That's right. Welcome to the world, Ari. I hope one day you can look at this video and say, "Wow, uh, my dad is making me work on Circuit Python version 5000," <laughs> and this is maybe one of the starts of it. Uh, hug report for uh, you know joining us here on planet Earth. I'm sorry that it's not in the best possible shape. Uh, we're trying to do a good job, but I'm looking forward to all the things that you do, Ari, 
to um, you know make this a good place for one another, um, work together. Um, I hope that you'll find some uh, beautiful, amazing things in, in the world. There's and a good chance they'll learn Python. So yeah. this is a, a good kickstart, but they also may not be interested in computers at all. You never know and, what, uh, what a person's going to be like. Yeah, and I just also you know, wanted to have these baby Blinka graphics for a while, um, and uh, we were waiting. And welcome to life, Ari. And uh, Scott will be back uh, on paternity leave. We'll be back soon. We'll be back and then gone again. And but, that uh, is this week's Python on Hardware. Okay. Um, we're an open source hardware company. To prove it, we have 2,648 guides, Lady Ada. What is on the big board this week? Okay. We had a lot of guides and guide updates. Um, for the HD20 and this Feather ESP32 guide, uh, we added Whippersnapper pages. So again, getting started with Whippersnapper, um, trying to kind of expose more people to it now that it's kind of out of beta, we're getting people using it. Um, so having uh, quick start pages on the sensors and devices that are supported. Uh, we also had um, a couple guide updates for the ESP32 S2 Feather. Um, we revised that hardware, so we wanted to update the notes on that. And uh, the ESP32 Feather V2, we added a MicroPython page uh, for people who want to use this board with MicroPython. Um, then Pedro did the 3D printed book sleeve. We'll show the video for that. And Melissa did uh, two color TFT display uh, breakouts using our new template system. So it's a lot faster and easier for her to do so. Um, we now have uh, example code for Arduino, Python, and CircuitPython uh, for all of our displays. Um, it'll be really easy to we'll get started with them. Um, Liz, uh, leave that to the last because okay. we're going to show a video. Uh, Brent worked on the quick start uh, for Whippersnapper. Again, um, a lot of this was refactoring it, taking the tutorials out of the quick start page um, and sending people to the product in specific because we used, we used to only support like one board, and now we support like a dozen. Uh, then there's another TFT display that Melissa did. Um, Kitty uh, Young, who did the Kitty's flowers, the Bluetooth brooches that we stock in the shop. Um, she wrote up a guide with a lot of projects, how to program them, like a really good set of tutorials, uh, really in depth on um, how to grab these uh, wearable brooches and make them do stuff. And then uh, finally, Liz Clark, uh, you know, bait, I basically assigned her like, hey, make a video synth with a Raspberry Pi using processing and figure out how to send data from uh, CircuitPython Blinka um, to processing because you know you don't want to write a driver in processing because it's kind of a pain and we have all these drivers written in CircuitPython and she figured out how to do it and she uh, made three different uh, video synths and uh, a one minute video to yeah. demo it out. So I'm gonna play the one minute video and then I'm gonna play the video of the synth uh, doing stuff. So yeah. take it away, Liz. You can build a video synthesizer with a Raspberry Pi. The animations are coded using processing, and the hardware is controlled using Blinka, the CircuitPython compatibility library for single-board computers. This build uses Stemma boards to talk to the Pi over I2C. A rotary encoder lets you switch through the four included animations. Three Neo sliders and a time-of-flight sensor let you control the animations in real time.
Learn how you can build your own video synthesizer by checking out the Learn Guide at learn.adafruit.com. Check out all those and more at learn.adafruit.com. Thousands of guides, PDF downloads of them if you want to print them out. So Open many source projects. code, hardware. It's all available for you to make anytime. And it's free. Main New York City factory footage. Take it away, Adafruit Factory. And it wouldn't be Main York City factory footage unless you saw the Disney headquarters being built across the street. This is our view now. Yes, the sky yes. is owned by Disney. We have to pay $29 <laughs> a month to see the sky. Sky plus. All right, 3D printing. So we have a couple of things um, that we're going to show this week. The first one is the 3D printed book covers for graphic novels and books and more. You'll be able to mix these and, and uh, remix them and make your own mm -hmm. for other graphic novels. And then th there's these little uh, tweezer things that, that 
you know, Pedro made. I think they'd be great for like Cheetos because of all the cheese dust. Yeah. So I think like when you're eating something that has that has like cheese I had dust Cheetos on it. for the first time in like a decade this last weekend, and it was like amazing. I forgot. Like, wow, Cheetos are so tasty. There's a scientist somewhere that's like, how can we make you want to eat these? I know. And there's they, like always. I can't buy them because I'm like, I, was, I couldn't stop myself. I was like, these are so good. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're gonna play these Anyways, back to back. I need See these on the other tweezers. side. Hey, what's up, folks? In this project, we're 3D printing custom book sleeves. Book sleeves can help protect the binding of a book and illustrate detailed hints about the subject. These detachable covers are usually made out of paper. Our 3D printed sleeves are rigid and help keep the spine of the book in shape. The added dimension can really help show off the artwork and it just looks great displayed on your shelf. You can edit the dimensions along with any creative details to really customize your books. This is printed with supports to handle the overhangs on the text and the eye opening. Make sure to check out the learn guide for a full list of print settings. We designed a sleeve for the Watchmen so that it lines up with the graphics on the cover. The red drop of blood is extruded separately to add depth to the artwork. The drop of blood was separately printed in red PLA so that we could avoid having to paint the sleeve. Additional parts can be layered on top with adhesives or double-sided tape. And that's it! We think it's a really fun way to customize and protect your books. So which of your favorite books should have custom sleeves? Let us know on Discord and share your projects with us on our weekly show and tell. Thanks for watching and be sure to subscribe for more projects from Adafruit. best way to eat cheesy poofs. That's definitely a thing. So um, every single Wednesday, 3D Hangouts, learn how to make all this stuff and more. Um, this morning, I uh, was watching this video, and uh, I saw that the person who made the video had this 3D app, scanner app, on their home screen. And so I looked it up, and I'm like, I want that app. So I scanned my face with my phone, and uh, I exported the video, and this is what it looked like. It's kind of cool. And the name of the app, for those of y'all who have an iPhone or an iPad, it does it. It's EM3D. And it works better than the other ones I've tried. And uh, it also has a cool, like, 3D printed thing that you can get that'll put two phones uh, next to each other. So it has mirror mode. So you can scan something and then see what you're, you're you know, you have to be able to see it because it's the 3D camera. The LiDAR type thing is on the front side. And so um, I scan my face. And if you pay for the app, you can export STLs and other things or videos without watermarks. So I thought that was kind of cool. So that's uh, 
That's me scanned. It begins. Okay. Lady Ada, let's do uh, INMPI. Ready? That's right. INMPI. All right, this week's I on MPI is from Sincereon Lady Ada. What is this week's I on MPI? That's right. I'm kind of a sucker for, for Sincereon sensors because they're always really good, and I really like sensors. So I want to show you the kind of the newest, most interesting things. And um, this sensor is uh, interesting. It's a, a, a low... Uh, pressure flow meter. Uh, it's kind of intended for medical uses, but I actually think it could be useful for um, a lot of uh, robotic or industrial uses where you want to measure airflow, but you want to be able to handle like low flow rates because a lot of sensors that we've got um, are intended either for water or for high flow rates because they, they, you know, they create some pressure. Um, this one is designed for medical uses such as like a CPAP or a ventilator, um, but even if you're not doing medical grade stuff. I think this, this is an interesting sensor. So this is a, um, this is the SFM, sorry, SFM 3119. Uh, it's a low flow um, air or gas, the non-corrosive uh, air or gas sensor. Um, and it's, you know, meant for non-liquids, meant for gases. It's tuned for either air or oxygen, um, but, you know, you could probably tweak it for and calibrate it for other sensors. Um, What's nice about it is it's low cost, it's really simple, and it's kind of all in one. Um, it's, you know, it's got a, a you know, flow rate uh, range. I can't remember, maybe you can quote this so I can actually read the text. Oh yeah? Yes. I can do that. Um, you can go up to uh, 240 SLM, which is uh, liters, uh, standard liters per minute. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's the design of it is a very modular, like a lot of sensors we've seen that are for this are kind of designed for like one customer. Um, this is kind of designed for, you know, anybody to use as long as you can just uh, connect to either side. Um, it's small, it's plastic. Um, there's an inlet and outlet. It's monodirectional. So gas is only supposed to go uh, one way, but it looks like it can handle some negative uh, flow measurements, um, perhaps not precisely. Um, there's O-rings on either side. You can see uh, the directional knob and there's a little module on top. It's quite small. It's only, you know, maybe two inches by one inches by two inches or so. Um, and this is what our liquid uh, flow rate sensors are like. This is a kind of a low cost turbine sensor. And so you can see that there's a little uh, turbine in it. But um, if we go to the overhead real fast, I can show that this sensor doesn't have a turbine. I actually don't know how it works. I, I didn't do a ton of research. I didn't want to take this apart because I had this working, but it could be, you know, some sort of capacitive um, sensor or something. I don't know, it's a little bit mysterious, but you can see there's no turbines. So, um, you know, the gas or air flows through um, mm. without any, anything impeding it, which can be very good for low flow rates. Um, another thing that I really like about this is um, a lot of flow rate sensors use you know, a Hall effect sensor on the turbine or something and you have to count and it's, you have to calibrate and it's not quite linear. Um, whereas this sensor, you know, has a standard I2C um, interface. Uh, you just power it with three to five volts. Uh, you get clock data ground. It's on a two millimeter pitch connector. It's a standard connector. Um, I just used a two millimeter pitch wire connector that I had handy uh, and plugged it in to get it working. Um, and it just works and you can query it and get data and it's all ready to go. It's all pre-formatted um, temperature and uh, flow rate data. Um, there's also like checksums, which I always like, uh, you know, means that the data you're reading, you can verify, especially for 
you know, if you are using this for medical uses or important uses, like making sure that there's enough oxygen or, or airflow in an area, um, it's good to make sure that the data you're getting is um, verified. So um, having a checksum is handy. But uh, the good news is you don't have to do any of the coding yourself because um, they've actually released uh, libraries. This is just one library, this is the Arduino library, but they have a Python library. Um, they've got embedded C library. I think they have one for a couple different, they even have like four or five different libraries um, in different languages that are ready to go um, with an example code that you can read uh, temperature and flow rate. So actually I was able to um, wire up the sensor and have this demo. I got it up and running in like less than 25 minutes. Um, you know, it could be easily integrated almost immediately. So that, I always like that because I feel like you get a sensor and especially low cost ones that are not calibrated, you don't trust them. Like you have to do a lot of setup, you have to test them in all these situations. Um, I like that this one just gives you digital data. You don't have to do any um, linearization or um, modeling of the sensor at all. Um, there's lots of documents. There's step files for you know the 3D model. There's handling information. There's you know different calibration details of how they calibrated it for oxygen uh, versus air or a mix. I think of oxygen and air. Um, but you know pretty much it was just like really really fast to get going. So I can I can show a demo real fast and then we can um, yeah show demo. The tester. So so this is the sensor. So I just I really just I just had two millimeter pitch connector and I wired it up. Uh, you see that there's a little filter here to keep uh, dirt and dust out, but it's a very fine filter, so it's not um, it's not in the way. And then this arrow shows you which way airflow goes. So right now there's no airflow. You're just uh, reading the temperature. It's a little warm here under the lights. But if I blow into the sensor, um, yeah, yes, yeah, so the flow sensor. You know, I don't. I don't have an O-ring. I'm not putting my mouth on it because that'd be kind of gross. Um, but just uh, blowing through the sensor, it detects my um, air coming out of my my mouth, and it uh, responds very quickly. Um, it does have a you know a low pass uh, filter built in that you can. I think it's enabled by default, but you can disable it. But it's probably a good idea because I think airflow, especially, can be very buffety, um, and you want to have you know a couple readings in a row that are averaged out, uh, and it does that for you as well. Available on DigiKey. Shortly. Uh, so when I, I, I purchased it and it was in stock, and then um, as I was writing INMPI, uh, I looked back and it sold out. However, they're going to get another shipment. It's rare. Usually they don't sell out, but um, this is a pretty cool sensor. Uh, very handy. And the price is quite good um, for a sensor of this grade and usability, only like about 120 bucks. So it'll be in stock in about two months. Also, uh, contact you if you need them immediately, and they can hook you up with samples uh, from Sensiria. And it's usually... This is an unusual situation, but and, um, high demand. You know, there's there's videos that a lot of sensor makers have, um, and some of them are okay. Uh, I like this one a lot, so uh, that 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 intro from the show will all make sense now. Um, I will say that this video is for the SFM series. They talk about other sensors that are in the family, not just this one. So yeah. they, it'll, it'll look a little different, um, but it's about how these sensors in general work. So it's yeah. still a very good video to they, get an idea of what it does. They do a good job. So we're going to play the whole thing. It's, and there's a teddy bear. It's about two and a half minutes. The teddy bear lives. Hi, and welcome to the Sensorion Flow Sensor video series. I'm Grisha, a contact partner for our valued medical customers. This video in our flow sensor series is all about proximal flow measurements. I'll go through a few of the challenges in this field and show you our sensor solutions. Proximal flow measurements have the big advantage that they are unaffected by leaks in the tubing system. 
Sensor readings offer direct feedback on how much air the patient is inhaling and exhaling, which is very useful. Even so, harsh operating conditions can put accuracy and reliability at risk. Changing temperature and humidity levels are common, especially in an emergency and transport setting. In addition to that, proximal flow sensors are in contact with pathogens exhaled by the patient. Thankfully, there is an answer to these challenges. The Sensirion SFM 3300 and 3400 series. The flow sensors are designed for use with adults and infants alike and are available in two versions, reusable and disposable. The former can complete up to 30 autoclaving cycles, while the latter offers the same measurement performance at a lower cost. For ease of use among medical personnel, we have fitted all of our proximal flow sensors with grooves for a clip-on connector cap. Connecting them to breathing circuits with their standard medical cones is easy too. Want your proximal flow meter to be heated to prevent rain out in humid environments? No problem. We've made sure to equip them with a small heater. The digital sensor output is factory calibrated and compensated for temperature variations. If you want to perform first tests, look no further than our evaluation cable, which you can order from our distribution partners. And to visualize and log data recorded by the sensor, we provide free readout software. Our website and info line are waiting for you. Thanks for your interest in our flow sensors. See you again in the next Sensirion video. And uh, this is my homage to Teddy. This is the teddy bear homage. So that's this week's Ion MPI. Hi, on MPI. Okay, so don't forget the code is resistive TSC Lady Ada kick it. Alright, it's new, 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 Alright, first up we have other sizes of the t-shirt. I don't collect NFTs unless you're talking about nice effing t-shirts. And here's Lady Ada in front of a real NFT gallery. We don't do NFTs, we get accused of it, we don't do it. It comes with a special pack of stickers and more. From the share zone. But there's now... Um, for friends. Yeah, there's now more sizes of the shirt. We have the women's small now. And once again, we don't do NFTs. Okay. Next up, we have a revision for the PCF 8523. It looked like this. Now it looks like this. It used to look like this. And now it looks like this. Basically, we can't get the SOIC version of the RTC, so you might get a version with the HVSON version. It's the same size. It's the same shape. It's the same pinout. It works the same but it might be just a little bit looking different, but that's because we want to keep stuff in stock and to do that, we have to be flexible with the parts available during the silicon shortage. Yeah, all right, another revision. Next up, P5000, which is the ESP32-S2 feather. Uh, this one is without the BME280 sensor on top. Um, I released this, it was cool. I learned that I made a mistake with the low power circuitry. I have corrected the low power circuitry. The board is now re-released. Um, Functionality is the same, but uh, I now have an LDO on the Stemma QT port. I also turn off the um, pull-up resistors so that it doesn't have it like this current leakage thing. Basically, uh, I'm getting better at doing low power design and uh, this is a new revision that you can pick up. Um, if you do, make sure you're running the very latest um, Espressif, uh, sorry, the very latest CircuitPython 
release code and uh, check the Arduino code because we changed the polarity of the power pin um, to be from low on to high on. Uh, but we have a little snippet of code that no matter whether you have the B version or the C version, it'll work. So if your I squared C isn't working, just go check out the code snippet I've got, put that in there, and it'll activate um, the I squared C port, whether you have this version or the previous one. Next up. Uh, next up, we get these kind of cool, weird, like upside down yoga doing buttons. Uh, these are tactile switches. They're like the standard six by six millimeter. And like from the top, they look normal. But from the side, you're like, whoa, the pins are going the wrong direction. Um, they're pointing up. Uh, so these are reverse mount buttons. What are they good for? Well, I guess you would like mount them pick and place onto the back of a PCB. There's a little hole in the front of the PCB and the button knob goes through or the nub goes through and then you can press it without having like with a really flush front. Um, I just kind of found these fascinating and I think other people will probably have a use for them and maybe I'll have a use for them. But I always like reverse mount stuff because there's always times where you're like, ah, I need something on one side, but I don't want to pick and place it on that side. I want a flush front. Um, this will do the job for you. Next up. Next up, uh, we've stocked the Pi board, the MicroPython Pi board, which is the STM32F405 based uh, Pi board. Um, unfortunately, you can't get STM32F405s right now due to silicon shortage, which you've heard so much about. Uh, so we chatted with the MicroPython folks. They said, well, we do have the Pi B lights. Uh, these are STM32F11 uh, based boards. They're still quite fast. They're still very powerful. Um, it's pin compatible for the most part with the F405. Uh, but it's just a slightly less powerful microcontroller and it's less expensive. Um, that said, if you want to support MicroPython and you want to get a Pi board, um, this will probably do the job for you and uh, we'll keep stocking it for a while and hopefully we'll eventually get the original Pi boards in stock as well. Just to rewind for a second, Todd has named these, I agree, these are the raised roof buttons. Yes. It just had to be said, okay. Party on. Uh, and we now have the socket plug, I don't know, the opposite polarity of uh, this Molex, Berg Molex connector that is often used for floppy disks um, and uh, floppy drives and for hard drives. Uh, we're doing a lot of floppy stuff and sometimes you have to kind of like power your floppy drive. Um, and I was like, oh, I wish I had the connector instead of like hooking my like little alligator clips on. Um, so this will plug into your CD-ROM drive, your hard drive, your laser disk drive, whatever. And you can provide it uh, five volts, 12 volts and ground. So it's not what plugs into the power supply, it's the thing that provides the power. Next up. Next up, uh, we have a handy uh, Raspberry Pi Pico breadboard from Monk Makes. Uh, Simon Monk makes some really useful stuff. So this is a breadboard, it's a solderless breadboard just like you expect, but it has a twist. On the sides, uh, it has the, in blue and black and red, it has the markings that are the pin numbers, like the pin names for the GPIO of a Raspberry Pi Pico. So if you have this like $4 board, one thing that you might have found that's a little annoying is that the pin markings are on the bottom and if it's on a breadboard, you can't read them. Well, now when you plug them in, uh, you can see the pin markings right there. It makes it very easy to align your wiring. What a brilliant, brilliant um, invention. Yeah. Uh, definitely, I am chuffed. Okay. I think that's the right word. I think you can say that. I'm chuffed. All right. Uh, at the start of the show tonight, besides you, Lady Ada, our staff, our team, our community, our customers, and everybody watching is? This is a new STEM QT board. This is the TSC 2007. 
You can't get the STMPE 610 or 811 anymore. Gotta find a replacement. And this is a really good I2C uh, resistive touch controller board. Um, it's dead easy to use. There's like only like two registers. You send a command. The code for this is, is trivial. It's supported by Linux. I wrote an Arduino driver. I wrote a CircuitPython and Python driver. Um, you don't need any ADCs. It just gives you the latest touch. There's an interrupt pin uh, that you can monitor that tells you when um, a touch has been pressed. Uh, there's also a little LED that'll light up. You can kind of barely see it down there, the red LED that'll light up. And it's just a demo showing on a resistive touch screen, it'll work with any four pin resistive touch screen. It gives you a number from uh, zero to uh, 4,095, because it's 12 bit um, readings of X and Y. And then it's your job to remap that to, you know, calibrate it and remap it to whatever X and Y coordinates you'd like. It's semi-QT, so it's plug and play. And we also, a lot of resistive uh, touch panels um, will just plug right into the connector we have at the top there. It's a standard one millimeter pitch FPC and it's double-sided, um, so you know whether you want to do it upright or, or the other way, it'll work if you have to like flip the X and Y. Okay, and did you want to show it off or anything? Or do you want to... Uh, yeah, I can show a quick... Or is the video good enough? The video's good, but I still... Oh no, this is stuck now. Uh-oh. Oh yeah? Okay, wait. I can, st I can do a quick demo, hold on. Go to the overhead. Yeah, I just did. Let me plug this in, hopefully it'll work. Um, okay, so yeah, I've got it plugged in. Uh, this is just a friction fit uh, one millimeter plug. Um, almost every resistive touchscreen we've ever seen uses this size and type of plug. It's kind of standard. And then uh, this is, uh, you know, hold on. You know, it's got the X and Y. And again, it's 12 bit. It doesn't know the size of the screen, so it just gives you, you know, low 100s up to, you know, almost 4,000 um, in this corner. And uh, you can also see the little red LED uh, blinking when, when it detects a touch. So you can know, hi, being touched. Okay, great. Very easy to use though, I2C, super trivial. Um, and again, works with Linux and works with Arduino, works with CircuitPython and more. Okay, um, now you know why the code was Resistive TSC. You also figured out why we were playing this weird teddy bear video. Uh, I feel like we've learned so much. Yeah. And so don't forget, use the code. Um, we're going to do questions over on Discord. That's where we do all the questions. So please, that's where we can see them all. Adafruit.it slash Discord. And um, let's do some top secret while folks line up some questions. Get your questions in. All right, top secret, we have a video that we're going to play, and then we're going to bounce right to questions, and then we're going to bounce home and go to sleep, and then rinse and repeat. All right, take it away, us. Lady Ada, what is this? This is me writing a CircuitPython Python driver for this resistive uh, touch controller chip called the TSC2007, which was featured on The Great Search a while ago because it's a replacement for the STMP610811 chip, which is discontinued. Uh, so I've got it hooked up here to my Feather M4 with an OLED, and I've got it so when I'm touching the screen, uh, the touch points are showing up on the OLED, so it detects the touch, um, it detects the pressure, and then it prints out the X and Y. So um, resistive touch screens, uh, they always have like pretty much four wires. They're basically two potentiometers, and you don't technically need a chip to do it. Like you could read it with just the analog inputs on a microcontroller, but these chips do all the filtering for you. And like they can detect pressure and there's all the math and like 
it's all done for you. So um, it's an easy I2C STEM IQT board coming into the store soon. It's question time. Are you ready? Yes. All right, I'm gonna uh, bounce around a little bit. This one's from Dexter, add radio button UI to Adafruit.io. Dexter, email me, pt at adafruit.com. Actually, no, put an issue in the GitHub IO issues. That's... Right, but just email yeah. me and just uh, say what um, you'd use it for, and then I'll send you a, a link back on where to put it in the issues yeah. and everything. Uh, that way you can put an example of, I, I, you know, I think it'd be kind of cool to know. Like, no, no, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, next up. Will the touch controllers on the TFT wings be updated to the new chip at some point? Um, yeah, we'll have to because I can't get the old chip anymore. I was able to, and then the chip shortage uh, killed it. Um, so I have to redesign all those boards to use uh, this new um, touch controller. But the touch controller, as you saw, works quite well. Is there a quick reference to which Adafruit products are not in stock? Um, I guess you could search for the letter A and then click the only not in stock button. But no, I mean, what's in stock changes on a daily basis. It, um, it moves really fast Basically, now. we don't have Raspberry Pis for sure in micro bits, but other stuff comes in and out of yeah. stock. But we do get Raspberry Pis in. Just make sure you have a two-factor account so you can get them. And um, things move really fast. The other thing that you could possibly do is every day we publish our um, RSS feed. It's the product feed, and those things have the stock quantity or if it's in stock or not. Okay. Um, Next up, this was a comment that someone said that I thought was really nice. It says, thanks to all of you so much. And open sourcing all your boards, I'm building a badge for DEF CON this year, and I wouldn't have been able to do it if I didn't have those resources. I sent my first rev for print on Monday. Yay. Yay. Okay. Uh, let's see. Clear that, clear that, clear that. Let me go over here. Um, next up, I think... Oh, question. On the various I2C capable devices boards that have solder pads to change the address of the I2C, could those pads be made to fit 0.65 millimeter or 1.27 millimeter or 2.54 millimeter pitch so that we can have uh, solder SMD jumper block or SMD switches to the pads? Can this be done when uh, you do the PCB layouts? I realize there might be some space constraints on the small sensor boards. It's, it's pretty much not going to happen because I have to fit the jumpers wherever I can, and it's never on a grid. Okay. Still plans to do an itsy bitsy ESP32 ESP. It's a bitsy ESP32 looking for a smaller Wi-Fi board. Yeah, we still have lots of plans. Um, we have a Cutie Pie also in stock um, in, in the way, but there's just no ETAs. Yeah. A little bit of a tongue twister. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, from the other chat, someone wanted to know the code. I'll put the code in all the chats right now. 10% discount code, use it or lose it. It is here, bink. And I think we just got to all of the questions. Yay. Going once, okay. going and twice. twice. No questions. Just shout out to the Ruiz brothers for their Pi HQ camera. I finally got around to building mine this week, and it's beautiful. Yay! Yay! All right, thanks everybody. I think I put it I'm twice go in the chat. Sleep. That is uh, our show for the week this week. Thank you everyone. Thank you to Kara, who's um, behind the scenes doing stuff in our Adafruit Slack. Thank you so much. Thank you to all the Adafruit team members for helping out and keeping this Lady Ada engineering as much as possible. You put the pad tie in, and the electronics 
come out. I did have pad thai yesterday. And you do need to, it, yeah, then she takes a, a nap and then she nap. makes more electronics. And then we all get to, uh, you know, live in this house of Ada. I mean, so, there was like seven revisions in the last two weeks. So it was like, it's it's been a party because revisions are not, they're not easy to do. Because yeah. I, I can't mess anything up. I can't make it worse is the problem. Um, very good to see everybody. Please be good to one another. If you're getting frustrated with the world and how things are kind of tough sometimes, you know, you can start with yourself and all the people around you and it could spread and things could be better. So that's one of the things that uh, I try to think about and do every day as well. Everyone likes to make things. Thank you for joining us this week. This has been an Adafruit production. Here Thanks, is everybody. your moment of Zener. We'll see everybody next week. Good night. Bye-bye.